Nehemiah chapter number 7 is where we're going to be at this evening. Nehemiah chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man, and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, Let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and everyone to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein. And the houses were not builded. So here we find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah in chapter number 7. And we have found ourselves at a spot that the walls have been rebuilt. Now if we travel all the way back into the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, there was a certain man named Hananiah. And Hananiah came to Nehemiah to give the report of the torn down walls of Jerusalem. And we find here in this text that Hananiah is the brother of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has went out and he done a survey of the land after receiving this report from Hananiah. And as he done the survey of the land, he went out in just a few number. And he gathered together a list of, of things that he needed to have done. And then he then proceeded to make arrangements to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. To rebuild the walls of a place that he'd always known as home. This place was a sacred place to him. And he entrusted Hananiah to go forth and to help him. And so today, as we get into this passage of Scripture, I want to look at some things about this man, Hananiah, Nehemiah's brother. And we find out as we go through our passage of Scripture here, when we get into verse 2, we find out that this man, Hananiah, is in fact the brother of Nehemiah. He is the same man that gave the report in Nehemiah chapter 1. And if we've learned anything at all in studying the book of Nehemiah, is that Nehemiah was a tactful leader. He was a servant leader, but he would only use those that he can trust. He would only use those that... He would deem to be on the same level as him, as a, as a co-equal. Someone that he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt can get the job done even in his very absence. 
And so we find here in verse 2 that Nehemiah gives charge to his brother Hananiah and Hananiah. And he made them rulers over the palace. I want you to see some of the qualifications of Hananiah. We see that qualification number one is he is in fact related to Nehemiah. I just touched on that. Qualification number two, he has leadership abilities. Now what do I mean by that? I mean somebody that just knows how to govern people. Someone that that knows how to lead people, to, to show them how to do something. Someone that knows right from wrong. Someone that knows how to uh, set safeguards and parameters. Someone that knows how to get the job done. I mean, Hananiah was the type of individual that you would want on your team of whatever you're wanting to do. I'm talking about if you're down in a foxhole and you fell under fire, he's the guy you want down in the foxhole with you. He's going to have you back. No matter what happens, he's not going to tuck tail and run. No, he's there. Whenever the going gets tough, the tough get going. And let me tell you, he was a tough individual. I'm talking about this was a leader. He was capable of of being militant. He was capable of war. He was capable of defending himself. He was capable of fighting. He was capable of not only just... Doing things in hand-to-hand combat, but training others how to do hand-to-hand combat. He was the type of individual that did not think too high of himself. No, he, he was humbled because who placed him in charge? Nehemiah. See, he didn't go to Nehemiah and say, hey, you know what, I think I'm the right man for the job. No, Nehemiah said, look, the Lord has given me a task. And he's given me a burden. But to carry on with this burden, to carry out this task... Brother, I need your help. I need your leadership. Your leadership is what makes you qualified. You see, you're not trying to itch and and scratch and jump at every single thing that comes to you. No, Hananiah, you are the type of individual that has been steady and, and faithful in their life. And you have a past record, a track record of always doing right and always doing as you're told. And not only that... Showing others how to do right and do it how they're told. And you're not just overly ambitious to where you're going to jump at anything that, that you can jump on. No, instead, you are guided by the Lord. You fear the Lord. And because of that, you're waiting for your assignment. And here Nehemiah gives him his assignment. And his assignment is to have charge over Jerusalem. I want you to see another qualification we find out that that Hananiah is faithful in all things. Verse number 2 says, he was a faithful man. Now, in today's society, faithfulness is laughed at. I'm, I'm talking about this woke agenda. I'm talking about these godless liberals, these reprobates. Laugh at men that are faithful to their wives. They laugh at a man that's faithful to his job. They laugh at a man that's faithful to his children. They laugh at a man that's faithful in his responsibilities. Faithfulness is laughed at and it's mocked by all of those that hate God, that oppose God, and that do not fear God. But because of Hananiah being who he is, he was a faithful man. I'm talking about when things got bad. He wouldn't just bow out. 
He wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't just get scared and say, you know what, I just don't think I can carry it on anymore. Let me just go the way of the heathen. Let me just go that way. Let me, let me sell out and go the way of that liberal crowd. It's easier that way. I'll have more friends if I go that way. But no, instead, he was a faithful man. And he was, he was faithful in all things. Because we see as well that he feared God above many. Now, this fear of God is a reverential trust. And at the same time, it's a reverential trust with hatred of evil. So we have learned so far that Hananiah is Nehemiah's brother. And we have learned that Hananiah is faithful. We have learned that Hananiah fears God and hates evil. And we have learned that he has leadership abilities. So why is this all important? Let's look at the task that's at hand. Because this was a prerequisite that God had to have for a man named Hananiah to carry out his task. In verse number 3 we see Hananiah's task. And in verse 3 it says, And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them, and appoint watches over the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and every one to be over against his house. The first thing that Hananiah had to do in his task was he had to guard the gates. We're talking about the wall had been rebuilt. We're talking about the very thing that Nehemiah went to do. He was a cupbearer and he forsook the cushiest job in the world, the best job in the world, and he left there with a burden to rebuild the sacred walls of Jerusalem. And now that they had been built, Nehemiah had enough sense to realize that, that Tobiah and, and Samballot and Geshem and, and all those other crowd, that all that hateful crowd, all that religious crowd, all that crowd that hates God, he had enough sense to know that they're not done trying to attack the work of God. And so he says, Hananiah, you're a leader. You're faithful. You fear, you fear God. I need you to guard the gates. I'm talking about when the enemy comes up to the gates. I'm talking about you need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy. There's some things that you need to predetermine that that you're not going to let take place whenever they come knocking at the door. Child of God, let me say that if you've been blood washed and you've been born again, something supernatural has taken place and you've had a heart change and now your body is made a temple for the holy and living God as the Holy Ghost has indwelt in you. And now God has raised you up to be a leader. He has raised you up to be faithful in all things. He's raised you up to have a fear of Him and to hate evil. But when the enemy comes knocking... You need to be able to be like Hananiah. And you need to be able to guard the gates. Do not let the devil attack you whenever temptation comes. You are to predetermine some things and to flee the evil that is right in front of you. You are to make your mind up that no matter what the enemy says or how attractive 
the enemy may, may talk, that you're not going to give him time of day. Instead, you're going to rebuke the enemy and you're going to hold on to your identity in Christ and you're going to guard the gate. You're not going to let him come in. You're not going to let him attack your mind. You're not going to let him attack your family. You're not going to let him attack anything you have to do in your very life. Hananiah had a task. He had a task. And he was raised up and appointed a leader to be over these things. And we see as well, he had to execute the plan. That plan to guard the gates. He had this, he had everything ready to go. I'm talking about this is a man of discipline. There's been many people in, in our nation's military that will get up and they'll go uh, on a, what they call a ruck. Or they'll go running or they'll do some PT. It is to keep their body in optimal condition. Now there's no threat in the moment. There's no enemy in the, in the moment. But they are constantly putting their body through some strain and some endurance. That way whenever the enemy does attack, they're not caught off guard. They are disciplined Day in and day out. I'm talking about from the very way that they tie their boots or their shoes to the way they tuck in their shirt, how they comb their hair, how they make their bed. I'm talking about through and through. Our nation's military are very thorough. And they, whenever they execute a plan, it's not time to think about it. It's time to bless God to execute it. Well, child of God, let me say this. If you're going to make it through... An attack from the enemy, it's going to take some discipline. I'm talking about for whenever you get up in the morning, or you opening up your Bible, are you reading what God would have you read? Are you praying to the Lord? Are you falling on your face and begging for a thrice holy God to help you in your very present hour? That whenever the temptation comes knocking at your door, that you'll be able to resist the devil and flee. What, uh, it takes discipline, friend. I'm talking about there's some things that you're going to have to throw out of your life. You cannot be going on these several mile hikes and be eating a Snickers bar on the way. You've got to get rid of the trash that's in your life. I'm talking about it's day in and day out. And we see as well in the later part of the verse that he has the task to stand guard. That means he ain't going to move. That means that whenever the threats are coming and the people are laughing, that means whenever Sambal and Tobiah, if they were to approach the doors, the walls of the gate, and if they were to look in and start laughing and mocking and accusing, He's going to stand there as a guard. He's not going to crumble because he knows that he has an assignment. He knows that he has a task. And that God has raised him up all throughout his life for such a time as this to stand guard for whenever this comes. I thought it was interesting here when, the, when it says... And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And I got to thinking, why in the world 
when Nehemiah say that? Why is it that they can only open up the gates when the sun is hot? Well, I'm thinking in my mind, just this little hick from Henrietta mind, when the sun gets hot, is the good, good portion of the day is like between noon and three or so. And I got to thinking, why in the world would he want it to be hot? Well, in my little bit of study, and I got to thinking, if they were to normally open up the, the wall or the gate, just like the neighboring people would, they would typically open it up first thing in the morning. At first daylight, they would open it up, and everybody would just do their thing. But instead, he says, don't do that. Don't open it up first thing in the morning. Instead, wait until about midday. And then, open it up. And this is the only thing I got from it. And I hope it helps you. But for me, when I first wake up in the morning, I have my routine. I wake up, first thing I do is brush my teeth. Then I put on my coffee. Go wake my son up, I'm about to take him to school. I pack his lunch. I pack his water. I make sure his book bag is ready to go. Make sure he's dressed. Make sure his hair's combed. Make sure he put, brushes his teeth. And in half an hour's time, boom, we're gone. We're out the door. Bye. And I got to thinking, in that blur of that span of half an hour, my mind is not all there. I'm not alert. I'm barely awake. And I'm just going through the routine. Child of God, let me say this in your life to make some application. If you're just going through the routine and you're really not alert, that is the best time for the devil to attack you because you are caught off guard. It's in those times where you just get a little lackadaisical, where you just take it easy. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm good. You got me. I'm saved. I'm just going to sit here soaking sour. That's when the devil will get you. But if you're prayed up, and if you're studied up, then whenever you're ready to face the day, there is a less likely chance the devil will attack. And if he does, you're prepared for it. But I noticed this as well. When we get on down into the latter part of verse 3, it says, And appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, and everyone to be over against his house. I realize that Hananiah is a leader that trains leaders. He isn't someone that's just walking around barking orders, telling them this is right, this is wrong. He's someone that just says, Hey, follow me, do it my way. My way or the highway? No. Instead, he's teaching them and everything he knows how to do. What's he know how to do? Well, the Bible tells us that he knows how to be faithful. So he's teaching them how to be faithful. And I'm sure, as most men sit around, he's probably teaching them how to be faithful to their wives and their, and their children and maybe even their craft or their trade or whatever it is that they're good at. And he's probably teaching them how to warn and how to, how to build a strategy. And he's teaching them how... To love the Lord. He's teaching them how to be men. Masculine men. Not these a bunch of effeminates. He's teaching them how to be men. That love the Lord. And how to be ready. But I want you to notice lastly. 
And I've got to hurry up for sake of time. In verse 4, we see Hananiah's heritage. In verse 4, it says, Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. I want you to notice this place to Hananiah was a holy place. This was a place that meant everything to him. He has risked his life for this place. He's put all his operations on hold for this place. I'm talking about it's a place of fortitude. It's a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place of holiness. It's a place of heritage. It's a place of his people. <clears throat> to where his mama and them and their mama and them and their mama and them had came to. Because to them it was a holy place. It was a place that was sacred. It was a place of fortitude. It was a place of heritage. This is a special place to Hananiah. So he's protected. Let me tell you quickly that the church of the living God is a called out body of believers. But whenever we gather together in a church building inside of those four walls, that is a lighthouse to a dark and dying world. That whenever the sinner passes by and they may see a steeple or they may see a cross or they may see such and such church, they know there's still hope. And that place is a holy place. And it represents a thrice holy God. And it represents the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost. This, these walls is a holy place. And they know there's something special that can take place here. Now you and I both know as born again believers that the walls are not holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. When Christ imputes His righteousness on us, He's made us perfect. He's made us holy. Christ is holy. But I want to say this. The people inside the walls were more precious than the building itself. You see, Christ did not die for the building budget in the building committee. So you can build an extravagant building. No. Christ purchased the church with His own blood. That's everybody that's been born again. That's everybody that's trusted on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repented of their sins. That is who He has purchased. And because of that, we find out in verse 4 that the people inside of the walls were more important than the walls. Hold up. We just went through six whole chapters of them talking about building the walls, them building the walls, and now the enemies are coming to attack. And persecute the walls. But yet to God, God is letting us know that the people inside of the walls are more precious than the walls itself. You see, God isn't worried about the size of the flock. But He is worried about the purity of it. The Bible says, O ye little flock. That's what it says. Then the devil isn't mad at a large church. 
He's mad. The devil's mad at a united church. When a church is united, all the forces of hell cannot penetrate it. Whenever the church is united, nothing can separate it. Nothing can divide it. And who are they united in? They're not united in the pastor or the deacons. They're united in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever they are united in what thus saith the Lord, and they found their identity in Christ, that's what makes the devil mad. Because he knows that the forces of heaven are with us. And there is power in prayer. And there's nothing more powerful in my imagination on God's green earth than a praying church. Because prayer is power. It's Holy Ghost power. And I'm a Baptist that ain't afraid of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, there was very little purpose in the building of great walls around the city if the people were not going to live in it. When it says, but the people were few therein, the houses were not builded. You can come to church every time the doors open. But unless you're alive in Christ, it's vanity. It's empty. It's nothing. You have religion, friend. And until you give your heart to Christ, it's worthless. It's all in vain. You're here for the show. Until you let Christ live and reign in your heart. You're just as lost as a golf ball in high weeds. I love seeing people come to church. But I love it even more whenever they become the church. Amen. Amen. Listen, this is Hananiah's qualifications. This is Hananiah's task. And this is Hananiah's heritage. I want to challenge you, listener, to be more like Hananiah. If I'm honest, and if I get my pride out of the way, I am not Hananiah. There's a lot of things in my life I need to work on. As far as my personal sanctification, I've got to give some things to God. And so I'm striving to be more like Hananiah. To raise my qualifications, to be better in my assigned task, and to preserve my heritage Child of God, I hope that's your prayer. I hope we can walk away from this message and we can pray and say, Lord, make me like Hananiah. Give me some outstanding qualifications. Assign me to a great task and let me not fold in the mirror of self-pity. Or don't let me fold when we look at the enemy. And God, let me hold fast to my heritage. Let me hold fast to what I believe in and stand on my convictions. I love you, child of God. And until we meet again, stay biblically correct.